The title of my message this morning is, He Gave It All. He Gave It All. We're still in this series of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. Faith covers a lot of things. We're saved by faith. You, you, you cannot enter eternity unless you absolutely believe Jesus Christ is God and he died for you and that he has accepted you and that your sins are forgiven. But our faith, that's elementary faith, absolutely necessary faith. But that's where we start. I'm always often reminded Jesus made a statement and he said to his disciples, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? I think that's indicative of the fact that things are going to happen towards the end before he returns that would really rock some people's faith. And if that is the truth, more and more, we have to be able to live by faith so that what's going on around us isn't going on in us. Did you hear that? So that what's going on around us isn't going on in us. While there's confusion and turmoil everywhere else, we got to be able to have the peace of God. And the peace of God comes from knowing God's in control. It comes from knowing who God is. It comes from being absolutely convinced that when I'm at the end of myself, I've just started the beginning of God. Amen. Absolutely. I want to read a story here. You know, the title, he gave it all, immediately we would think of Jesus, that he gave it all on the cross. And while he did, absolutely, that's not who I'm preaching about in my story. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to start reading from verse 1. This is at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, and uh, verse 1, chapter 5. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. Let's stop. Church, <laughs> did you read that first line? The people were pressing Onto Jesus to hear his word. They were anxious. They were hungry. They were desirous. There were some people, God came and left. And they didn't even know. I don't want us to fall into that category. There were some that had encounters with him and argued about their theological position and their theological views hindered them from seeing God. There are others who were just too busy and they heard, but they didn't apply themselves. They didn't care. But there were some, a multitude, it was still only some, they pressed about him to hear the word of God. Before I go any further in this sermon, church, we need to press in 
to hear God. We need to be the kind of people that are so hungry that if it was us, we wouldn't be the people who were still in the marketplace doing business. We wouldn't be the people who were, you know, tending to our kids and tending to our stuff. If we were living in Bible days, we need to be those people who are pressing onto Jesus. As a shepherd of a church, I can't help but always be concerned about the state of where everybody is in their walk. And um, I, I carry this responsibility on me constantly. And I'm constantly asking God, how do we woo? How do we draw? How do we inspire? How do we encourage people to hunger more for the things of God? But these people were pressing into Jesus, so much so that Jesus had to ask the local fishermen, can I get into your boat? So it was as the multitude pressed about him or pressed towards him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now this is the same as the lake of Galilee. It's mentioned by different names by different gospel writers, and I've researched this, and there, there are four different uh, names given to the Sea of Galilee. Okay, it's actually a lake, but it's called by some the Sea of Galilee. It's quite vast, uh, and others by the Lake of Gennesaret. Uh, Luke refers to it as such. Uh, but they were pressing up against him till he was on the very edge of the lake, he stood by that lake, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Do you see the picture? The people were so hungry. They were so desirous for the word of God. Listen to me. First and foremost, every one of you, as we head towards the end, and I believe we're living in the last days, and you know, we all like to take out our compasses and our time charts and uh, pull out our conspiracy theories and discuss how the world's going to end. Hey, first and foremost, if we are heading towards the end, and I believe we are, I mean, you can't help but move forward in time, you're heading towards the end. If we are, in fact, living in these last days, so to speak, then all the more you and I need to be pushing into God. Because if we're not pushing into God, you need to know the world is going to push against you more and more. And if you are not aggressively pushing into God, then the world will push you away. It's like, you know, when, when the tide is coming in and it's very strong, but you want to go out, the tide is pushing you back. But if you're wanting to go in a deep water, you've got to push against it. As we come and more and more experiencing these last days, every one of us needs to wake up. We do. We need to be sober. We need to be vigilant. We need to apply thought to our lives and say, you know, now's not the time to, to, to be half-hearted. Now's the time 
to press in and push against the waves because otherwise the waves will take me in the opposite direction I want to go in. But here's Jesus. The people are that hungry and they're pushing up against him that he asks uh, Peter, Simon, Peter, if he could get in the boat and he says, Peter, will you? <laughs> these people are going to crowd right up to me even as I walk into the water. I need to get away so that I could stand back enough so that there's distance so that my voice will project and they'll hear me. And he says, push out in the boat a little bit. And uh, I find it comical, but I also find it interesting. Look how hungry these people were to hear from God. Now, we're going to change pictures a little bit. He's preaching in the boat. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little bit, and he sat down and he taught the multitudes of people. I want you to understand that here's Peter. He had just been fishing all night together with the other men that were cleaning their nets. From the context of the story, we could assume it was James and John, their brothers, their father Zebedee, uh, they had a family business. It appears like there was some type of partnership between Peter and Andrew. Andrew was Peter's brother, and they had their fishing boat. And they were all there in the very same spot, and um, Peter had been fishing all night. He caught nothing. Now, I don't, I don't know that the fishermen always went out at night. Maybe Peter was having financial difficulty. I don't know if anyone has been watching the series called The Chosen on YouTube. It's probably one of the best series I've ever seen on the life of Jesus Christ. And what I love about this series, it's available on, on YouTube. They've only done eight sessions so far, uh, and they're planning to continue multiple seasons but they really develop the character and the life of each of the disciples. And of course, they use a little bit of uh, license to use their imagination to develop stories around their lives. But I look at Peter and I think if he was struggling all night to catch fish, he probably had a debt he had to pay. Okay? Uh, all night, he's trying to catch fish. He's not catching fish. And what I'm saying is this. He's harassed. He's hassled. He's feeling the pressure. He's feeling the pressure of life. He's feeling the commitment of responsibilities. No different than you. No different than me. Every one of us gets squeezed and pressured by the environment that we live in. And especially today, while we're living in this period called COVID-19. I don't know the pressure that's going on in your head or how the enemy is trying to attack you. I don't know what's going on with your job, whether you've lost a job or you're not sure if you're going to have a job, whether you started going back to work or not. The reality is that man shall not live by bread alone, but by the words of God. This is what Jesus said to the devil. The Holy Spirit had told Jesus, go and fast. The devil says, come on, turn this stone into bread, eat. Everything in the natural, in Jesus' physical body, would have wanted to eat. I'm sure the devil didn't tell him this the first day of his fast. He's probably around day 25. He's very hungry. 
He's getting desperate. The devil says, come on, eat, turn that stone into bread. Listen, I, I have no doubt Jesus could have done it. In fact, what's interesting is Satan had no doubt he could have done it. Satan wanted him to eat. He wanted him to come out of obedience from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led him into a fast. So Satan had no doubt Jesus could have turned a stone into bread and he could have eaten. But the enemy only brought that kind of pressure when all the natural circumstances were in place so that they could amplify the pressure. And so here he is, long into his fast, and the temptation to turn that stone into bread and eat it would have been intense. You feel intensity? Jesus felt intensity. You feel intensity? You're not alone. The truth of the matter is, you're not alone, not only because we feel the intensity, you're not alone because all of heaven backs you. All of heaven is with you. God is with you. And in that moment, Jesus says, no, man doesn't live by bread alone. He doesn't live by natural substance alone. He doesn't live by the principles of a natural world. One plus one is always two. No. He lives by the Word of God. He lives by the Spirit of God. He lives by the things that God says. Because if he lives by the things that God says, he will truly live. And so we don't live by bread alone. We live by the Word of God. This series, we walk by faith, not by sight. And here's Jesus saying, no, listen. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm hungry. But the natural world isn't what's going to give me protection. The spirit world of God is what's going to give me protection. And he said, man must live by the word of God. That's what this whole series is about. Here's Peter, frustrated. I am absolutely convinced. They're washing their nets. In other words, they got to do as much work to clean their nets as if they had caught fish, but they didn't catch fish. And if he was out all night, I'll guarantee you he's exhausted, he's frustrated, he's annoyed, he's antsy. <laughs> when I'm tired, I'm not at my best. When you're tired, I'm sure you're not at your best. And that's when the enemy will try to kick us the hardest. He'll always use the natural and then the supernatural to come against us. And you have to understand that. And you have to also understand that the only way to win that war is to not rely on the natural. We've got to become a people who know how to hear what the Word of God says and hang on to the Word of God irrespective of everything else that's pressing in on us. So knowing how the devil works, he will set up the circumstances. And if Peter was out fishing all night, there had to have been a reason. He's tired, he's exhausted, he's gotta do as much work for not having caught even one fish as he would have if he caught a lot of fish. 
They're busy. They gotta get the nets cleaned. When you throw a net out, you pick up debris. When you throw a net out, you've gotta clean it properly so that it doesn't create extra tears. Uh, you know, a stitch in time saves nine. They have to make sure that the nets are clean so that they will be reliable and they don't break on them when they finally do get a catch. So he's got plenty of work to do. Jesus interrupts him and says, would you mind, can I use your boat? Do you mind pushing out to water? Now Peter cannot attend to his trade. He gives everything he has. All night he worked. All night he toiled. And then he had to attend to Jesus as well. He gave everything. And I'll guarantee you, when I look at the character of Peter in the New Testament, I guarantee you that guy was frustrated. I'm absolutely convinced when I see at how Peter sometimes had a short fuse, I am sure he is cranky, he is not in the best attitude, he's not in the best place. But the master wants to use his boat and he still said yes. Maybe begrudgingly, but he still said yes. He had worked all night. Peter, I believe, gave his all. Who knows what pressure he was under to pay what kind of bills. I don't know. Roman government wanted their tax. The Jewish temple wanted their tax. Everybody wanted their tax. There were responsibilities, and Peter was feeling it. But in a pinch, he still made time and whether it was begrudgingly or willingly, we'll never know. We can only speculate. But what we do know is that when Jesus asked if he could borrow his boat, he said, yeah. There's a really important message that comes out of this here. And that is that when Peter said yes, you can't even lend something to God without God giving back to you a hundredfold, a hundredfold. Look at this story. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now listen, <laughs> one of the things that will get under my skin fairly quickly, I mean, I've been doing this here for well over 40 years, plus I, I grew up in a pastor's home. And sometimes well-meaning people, good people, in their innocence and in their enthusiasm will make the most simple suggestion as if my carnal reaction, as if I don't have enough intelligence to have thought of that. And for a moment, my flesh will get triggered, okay? And little things like that sometimes will annoy me and I gotta pull back and say, whoa, come on get back into the spirit and not in the flesh. I don't think for a moment that Peter thought to himself, yeah, what an awesome idea. Let me do it again. I've just exhausted myself all night, got exhausted, didn't get a, a flippant thing. We've been cleaning the nets. Do you understand what it takes to clean the nets? We've cleaned the nets and you're asking me to throw it again? I know the waters. I know the fish. When there's nothing there, there's nothing there. Now listen, 
You could call him Saint Peter all you want. He proved to us many times in the Gospels he didn't always act like a saint. Just like you and I don't always act like a saint. And, uh, but yet God calls us saints. Hey, we're his saints. And so here's Peter, you know, Lord, I've been fishing all night, but you know what? Okay, you said it, out of respect. He didn't do it out of faith. He did it out of respect. He did it out of honor. He did it out of, it's, it's the right thing to do. Jesus, uh, Peter calls him master, calls him teacher, all right? Uh, verse five, but Simon answered and said to him, master. He was honoring the fact that this man was a teacher of the law, a rabbi. Peter wasn't convinced that this was Yeshua. He was, at this point in his life, he wasn't convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, but he knew he was a teacher, and out of respect to the position, out of respect to the office, what does he know about fishing? Nonetheless, I'll do it. In the midst of frustration, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of tiredness, in the midst of, do you understand you're gonna cause me more work because I'm gonna have to clean the nets only to prove there are no fish there? But he did it out of obedience and out of honor. And this is what I know about God. Even though Simon said, verse five, Master, we toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word. He didn't get a sign. It was just at his word. Sometimes we have the word of God and we don't act on the word of God because we want, we want proof first. Jesus didn't have to give Peter proof he was going to catch fish. He just gave him his word. You and I have the written word. And sometimes we want a miracle before we act on the word. No, the miracle comes when we act on the word. What does the word of God say to you? What has God been saying to you? You know that little thought that keeps floating around your mind and you manage to constantly push it away and ignore it? What has God quietly been saying to you? Because that word that you want to ignore that word that I usually ignore is the very word that will bring us into God's blessing. Hey, and so Peter says, nevertheless, at your word. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. You know the rest of the story. They had to call their partners. And when you read it, uh, James and John came with their boat. Between the two boats, they filled up the boats to such a point where it says that both boats started to sink. And when they man managed to get ashore, Jesus fell at Jesus' feet and he says, <laughs> and they, they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Verse eight, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, oh Lord, depart from me. You know what I love about this? Jesus didn't depart from him. He called him. Right after this, immediately in the next couple of verses, he says, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. 
Peter had given his all. He's frustrated. He's angry. I've done all this. I'm not getting anywhere. Now God's making a demand on me. Do you know that God paid rent for Peter's boat far beyond what he would have gotten if he had charted his boat to somebody? He filled up two boats to overflowing. Come on, look at me. I, I read sometimes, <laughs> you know, there's a certain thread of religious preachers who explain away every miracle to what it means in a practical sense. And because what they're trying to tell people is it's not about the miracle. This, it's all symbolism. Now, there's a miracle here. The miracle happened. And what's important for us to see is that there's a story in the miracle and it's not symbolism. God gave them not only double of what a boat would catch, but the boats were full to overflowing. Each boat was full to overflowing. That's God's abundance. That's God's abundance. And he gave them a double portion. Two boats were overflowing to the point that they were sinking. They found the boat. You know, the Lake of uh, Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, um, is uh, the lowest point on the earth for a freshwater lake. And um, it has a, quite a varying degree of how high the water can uh, rise when there's been a lot of rain coming and water coming down the Jordan and how low. And they, they have a red line and they have a black line. And when it gets to the black line, and I'm talking about modern days, they're in deep trouble and they got to stop pumping the water into the cities. But uh, what, what, what's really interesting is that they, they found a boat buried in the mud at one of these times that the water level had receded and was extremely low. And they call it the Jesus boat. It's a fishing boat. It's 24 feet long and 7 feet wide. 24 feet long. Okay, a lot of boats you see being towed behind an SUV, they're 21 foot usually. So it's bigger than that, 24 feet, no cutty cabins in the middle, a hollowed out boat, seven feet wide, full of fish to the point where it's sinking. Listen, this is the abundance of God. Are you hearing me? He gave Peter, he rented his boat. Peter didn't ask for rent. You can't give to God without God giving back. You can't lend to God without God giving back. You can't say yes to God without God blessing you. And I understand that we are living in what is for some extremely hard times and maybe for everybody questioning times, what's going on. But I want to assure you that the more we learn to live by faith and not by sight, the less the world will have any dictate over us. You want to be free from the world? Live by faith, not by sight. The more we live by sight, the more fear has control over us. The more we live by what we hear 
Anxiety has the right to have control over us. The more we refuse to live by sight and the more we refuse to live by what we hear, the less fear, anxiety, or depression, or anything else can dictate to your emotions. In fact, psychologically, the safest place you could be is to wrap yourself up in the Word of God and like a numbhead, believe everything the Word of God says and you will psychologically be in the safest, the soundest place where you could be. And the reality is, you won't be a numbhead, you will be a person filled with the blessing of God. The more we rely on natural principles, the more the natural world has hooks in us and it has the ability to twist us and contort us. And the more we learn to just trust in God and not be dictated to by what we see, the more liberated we become on the inside. Now listen, you say, well, you know, I, I don't feel like that. I get so scared at the thought of giving or i so fearful at the thought of listening to what God says. You will never be safer. He, this is what it boils down to. Either you will listen to the voice of reason, the voice of your flesh, or you will listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. When I listen to the voice of reason, my flesh... Sometimes I have a 50-50 chance, and sometimes I have a lot less. But I'm going to tell you, as a people, as born-again Christians, if we learn to listen to the voice of the Spirit, your chances are 100%. 100 out of 100, because God's Word will never fail. God's Word will never fail. God's word will never fail. Kingdoms will come and go. Fads come and go. But the word of God will always be absolutely the truth. What are we building our lives on? This series, called, this series is called, We Walk by Faith, Not by Sight. Would you get offended if I said to you, we really walk by sight, not by faith. In a lot of ways, we do. Here, let me give you an example. I'm going to go to a story in Mark chapter 12. This is three days before Jesus is crucified. Three days before Jesus goes to the cross. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Now, Jesus sat opposite the treasury. He's at the temple. He sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money in the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came, stop. Her source was gone. Her husband's gone. She's a widow. She's already deprived. Not because a woman on herself is less than. That's not what I'm saying. Please hear me. But a woman who had built her life together with her husband, when, when a partner, whether it's a man or a woman, loses their partner, initially half their life is gone. They feel lost. 
When two become one, it's just inevitable. This is not a comment against womanhood. Not at all. But this woman is at a loss. Her other half that's been there for so many years isn't there. And so uh, then a poor widow came and she threw in two mites, which make a quadrant, a very small amount of money. And Jesus called his disciples to himself and he said, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they have put in out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Here, here's another way of saying it. These gave out of what they could see they had. She gave out of what she couldn't see. She gave her last two mites. We often live by sight. We'd like to think we live by faith. If we really lived by faith, we wouldn't be as anxious as we get. We wouldn't get as <laughs> riled up as we do. This woman, all she knew was once she gave these two mites, she didn't have anything else. So she gave out of what she could not see. We often give out of what we can't see. Now, this is not a sermon about giving. I'm not trying to uh, get money out of you. It's about a lifestyle of trusting God and having faith. And there's nothing wrong with having a bank account and having blessings and having abundance. Don't mishear me because you'll miss the point of this message. It's about listening to the voice of God and trusting God because when the Spirit of God speaks, He will take us far beyond anything the natural world could ever do for us. Amen. This message is about giving your all. And you can't give your all unless you give by faith. Amen. Give of your life. Give of your life. Come on. We're about to come back to church. I'm excited about that. But I don't want us just to gather. I want us to gather and scatter, gather and scatter, gather and scatter. Listen, this is the craziest time for us to decide to feed the hungry, and yet it's the most needful time. And it would be so easy for us to say, but our own people could be unemployed. I haven't seen you. I don't see you face to face. I don't know who still has their job and who doesn't. But I'm telling you that even if you fished all night and you've ended up with nothing, you obey God and God will take care of you. Amen. He's our provision. He didn't just give Peter a, a boat full of fish. He gave Peter a boat overflowing 24 feet long, seven feet wide, and it's overflowing to the point where it's about to sink. And when a fisherman is worried about the boat sinking, I mean, they're used to pretty rugged conditions. That boat was full. But not only did he give him the abundance of an overflowing boat, he gave him the abundance of two overflowing boats. I'm safer. We're safer, giving everything we have and throwing ourselves into God's hands than we are building our own little fortresses. We try to build our lives and we build our little fortresses, and we do, you know. 
But we are safer living by the word of God than we are by building the fortresses that we can build with our own efforts. Amen. You might be feeling like you've given it all. Don't give up. Continue to throw yourself into the things of God. We are living in the last days. And the effects of the world are going to come down on us in a stronger way. But it will have no effect if we prepare ourselves to live by faith. Amen. When you're living by faith, what the world has and what the world doesn't have doesn't matter. Because when you're living by faith, you're living in a realm of what God has. And God never has a recession. God never has an economic crisis. God never has a meltdown. Can I get an amen? Amen. Praise God. It's interesting that this woman gave her all three days before the Son of God went to the cross and gave his all. And he gave his all, and the world is still reaping the results. Amen. Trust God. In this life, two plus two is always four. And four minus two will always bring you down a two. But in God's world, Two fish and five seven and five loaves equals feeding 5,000 people. Amen. I want to encourage you to trust God. This is about trust God. This is not about taking up an offering. It is about trusting God. It's about learning how to stay in a safe place psychologically. And the best way to do that is to not pay as much attention to the eye gate and the ear gate but listen to the spirit gate. Live by the word of God and you will stay in a place of consistency and you will stay in a place of stability. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you've never asked Jesus Christ in your heart, I want to encourage you today to let Christ come into your life. I want to encourage you today to say yes to the King of Kings. And maybe... You know, um, <clears throat> maybe it's been really hard for you in the past to let go and let God. But I'm telling you today, as you let Jesus Christ become your Lord and Savior, you're putting yourselves in the hand of the one who will never disappoint, Never disappoint, and he will never abandon you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. I want everyone right now, just open up your heart. Open up your heart. Say, Father, I want to be a person who lives by faith. Because if I don't live by faith, I'm going to live by what the world dictates. Come on, church. Come on. You know, I love the fact that God is so real. Jesus set out to teach his disciples faith. If, if, if you study the scriptures, you'll see many instances where he took them in shallow waters and little by little he took them in deeper waters, guaranteeing that their faith would grow and grow and grow. 
I want to encourage you. You need to walk the walk of faith. You need to come to a place of learning to live by faith. Pray with me right now. Pray with me, everyone, every believer. Pray with me. Close your eyes and say, Dear God, I want to trust you more. I want to learn to rely on you. Help me not to be controlled by the things I see and by the things I hear. Help me to be controlled by your word. I let go of my flesh and I command my flesh to let go of me. And in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I call my spirit to rise up and be obedient to the Spirit of God. Father, help me to be a person who lives by the Spirit and not by the flesh. In Jesus' name I pray. Help me to trust you more than ever. Amen. For those of you who have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's just like the prayer we've prayed. You're going to commit yourself to God and let God take control. Ask Jesus to come into your life and wash away your sins to live inside of you. Amen. Come on. As the Spirit of God is talking to you, I want you right now to have this kind of faith in God. He will keep you stable. He will keep you secure. He will keep you in a good place. Ask Jesus to come in your heart. Repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I believe you love me. And I believe you are good. Jesus, you died on that cross for me. And I'm going to ask you to come into my heart right now. I need you. I want you. Like the people in this story, I want to press into you. Jesus Christ, come into my life and fill my life with you. Forgive me of all my mistakes and all of my stubbornness and all of my sin. Jesus, wash those things away. I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to live for you. I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. Live in me and take control. I thank you, Father, that you are hearing my prayer and Jesus has come into me today. Amen. For those of you that have just prayed that prayer, we would love to be in communication with you. Why don't you inbox us on Facebook right now or call the church. And even if you have to leave a message starting this week, uh, my offices, our offices will be opened. I'll have staff here. Uh, 813-855-8491. That's 
855-8491. Someone will get back to you. Otherwise, inbox us. And if you're willing to give us a phone number or an address, we would really love to send you a Bible. Absolutely free of charge. We would love to connect with you right now, wherever you are. I don't care if you're in another country. Let us know on Facebook that you've just asked Jesus Christ in your heart because we want to pray for you, we want to bless you, and we want to help you. Church, I want to thank you for being the church. You are the church. I'm so proud of the amount of volunteers that have come out during the week. 198 meals we gave out. 198 meals and two shopping bags of groceries to every car. They tell me that 75% of every car that rolled up on the property, 75% of them, as they drove out, pulled off into the side lane, which was marked for prayer, and 75% of those people asked our prayer warriors to pray for them. What a great ministry. What a great opportunity. You know, amen. I thank God. Listen, when, when, when everything's falling apart, step out in faith. <laughs> God will always look after us. Amen. For those of you who have given, for those of you that have given your time, for those of you that uh, helped in various ways, I want to say thank you. And I encourage everyone, come on, let's be a people of faith. Let's be a people that step into the supernatural realm of God. I don't want to just have church. I want to have the kingdom of God in the fullness of its supernatural manifestation. This is the day of miracles, amen. And I believe God to do miracles in your life and to do miracles through your life in Jesus' name. God bless you, church. Stay tuned with us. And early this week, we'll be giving you some guidelines as to how we're having a soft opening here in the church. And next Sunday, we will see you face to face. God bless you. Talk to you soon. Amen.